Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jody Grundon. Jody is an accounting visionary with over 20 years of experience. He co-founded Summit CPA Group in 2002. As the leading provider of virtual CFO services in North America, Summit provides professional virtual CFO services for over 100 companies across the U.S., helping business owners dive deep into the financial side of business to maximize profits, minimize taxes, and increase cash flow. Jody is also an industry speaker and a published author. Thanks so much for being here today, Jody. Yeah, thanks, Dan, for having me on. Absolutely. So we're we're going to be talking about um, for dynamic forecasting and cash reserves and all the fun stuff that you know so many small business owners love to talk about. Uh, but you know, I think by the end of this, they'll feel really good about it. So we're going to dive in. Um, let's start with cash reserves. How much money should a business owner have in their cash reserve? Great question. So when we look at business owners, we look at businesses in general, um, and I'm going to talk about service-based businesses to get to, to kind of keep it on the same level. You want to look at about uh, 10% of your annualized revenue you should have in the bank at all times. So if I'm a, a million-dollar company, then I should have about $100,000 sitting in the bank. $6 million company, $600,000. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that it's all sitting in your operating account, not earning any money or interest and stuff like that. You want to have about two payrolls, roughly two payrolls in your operating account at all times. And then the remainder amount of that 10% should go into this cash reserve account. And that cash reserve account could be a money market account. It could be a high interest savings account. You know, something that you, it's very liquid that you can actually, you know, utilize yourself. Um, and I say 10% uh, because 10% is the, the bare minimum. That, that equates to about two months of expenses if you want to do the the actual you know calculation out, but but it's real easy for us business owners to just simply take ten percent. Now, if if you want if you want more, like if you're more of a high risk person, where you, maybe you've got a lot of your eggs in one basket, meaning you've got a lot of you know maybe um, a lot of your revenue comes from you know thirty percent of your thirty percent from one customer or or something similar to that, or if you have you know tons of different partners, or you know if you don't have deep pockets outside of the business itself. 
you know, maybe you went closer to 30%. So 10% is about two months, 30% equates to about six months, again, doing the, doing the math. And then really anywhere in between, depending upon your risk factors, you may end up. So we have like our typical client right now has about 15% of their revenue uh, sitting in, in, their, in their bank accounts. Um, whereas maybe coming in, maybe they don't have as much, maybe they have 5%, we have to build them the 15%, or maybe they've got, you know, 50% and they, they realize that's maybe too much in that account. Maybe they should distribute that to the, the shareholders unless there's like a big event coming up. So, uh, lo- you know, long answer to really, you know, a simple question, you know, how much money should you have in the bank? I'd say between 10 to 30% of your annualized revenue, simple math, and then make sure that you distribute that uh, so that uh, at least some of that money is making some interest. That's so great. I appreciate it. And and it's funny because um, it may feel like a simple question, but it really isn't, right? Because there's a lot of different factors involved in being able to determine what's best for your business. Oh, for sure. And I'd also say, you know, people are always asking about line of credit as well, you know, because that's kind of tied in there. It's not really a bank account necessarily, but, but you know, how much should you have on a line of credit or have available? Because um, I would say right now is probably the perfect time to get it when you don't need it, right? Because when you need it, you know, then it's about impossible. And with a potential recession floating around all the time, you know, they usually last what between 12, you know, tw- you know between about eight months to probably 15 months on a typical recession. I would get a line of credit now, have it renewed for two years, not one. And uh, that way, in the event that you have to actually have to use it, then you've, you've got a two-year gap there, which should be able to get you through that and, and kind of provide you a little more security. And I'd use that same rule of thumb, you know, 10% to 30%, depending upon, again, uh, risk factors. Um, you know, so again, a million-dollar company should have like a $100,000 line of credit. Um, ask the bank. You might not be able to get it. If you get a 60 or 70, great. It's better than not having, you know, one at all. And so, um, you know, definitely now is a good time to do that, especially when you don't need it. Okay. And if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I get it. And so you're talking like minimum 10% and and I don't have that in there. Are there steps that they should be taking to build that cash reserve? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's kind of funny because when you don't have a forecast put into place, and it's kind of leading probably in the next question here, you know, it, it, a lot of times people just kind of drift, you know, they, they, they don't, yeah. you know, they, they never get ahead of themselves. You know, they're, they're just kind of the same place over and over again. And you know, they're looking at their bank account, you know, today, and they maybe have, you know, 5%. And then they look at it a, you know, a year back and they maybe they only had 5% and then maybe 6% because there was really no direction. But now I think once you have that direction or that goal, uh, then it's a lot easier to shoot for that goal. And, and in doing so, that that's where a dynamic forecast really, really gets, you know, really a huge, you know, huge in order to actually implement that. And um, what I mean by dynamic forecast is that it, it's got to be something that you put into place and that you manage every single month, you know, sometimes every week. And, you know, you think about that, well, what does that mean? You know, because usually you put your forecast yeah. together back in like November, December, you look at it and then you kind of compare yourself throughout the year. How are you doing compared to what you did? you know, back in November, December, that's really not a forecast. That's not how you use a forecast. Um, you know, a forecast is going to change every single month. So, so whatever happened in January and February and March impacted what you actually thought was going to happen back in, in, in December. And now you need to make changes to it going forward. And so, you know, if, if you think that, you know, April, May, and June is going to change, you know, it's going to be, you know, shorter, small, you know, shorter, or, you know, better or worse, then, then you actually need to make those changes for you know April, May, and June, you know, right now, because that's gonna that, that's how you're guiding your ship to that direction. So if your goal at the end of the year is to building your, 
your cash reserve. Let's say you've got a a 1231 goal. I want my cash reserve to be at 8% and it's at 5% now. How am I going to do what? How am I going to get there to, to get that 8%? And then I've got to make changes every single month because life happens every single month. That's going to affect that, you know, that forward looking, you know, vision. So it's super important to have a dynamic forecast that's tied in to the, uh, to the goals we mentioned there, the cash reserve goal. The most important thing you can have in a business is cash. And that's the, yeah. uh, that's the big goal that you want to strive towards. Yeah, boy, I, this is so important. I mean, I know when I'm talk when I'm talking to clients about um, like their sales goals, mm-hmm. and what I say is you have to monitor those every single month to mm-hmm. see. How, you know, you have to bring them down to a monthly level, not annual, and then you have to monitor it because you can make adjustments in real time. But if you aren't paying attention to it, you get to the end of the year and there's a good chance you didn't hit the mark, and you have no idea why. So yeah. you, you know you can't do anything intelligent. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's like it's like when you drive down to you know let's say you live in Michigan or you know in one of the northern states and you want to visit like Florida, um, you can easily do it. There's a lot of ways to get into Florida, right? You can hop in a car <laughs> and you can just drive south. You, you might you're going to eventually get to Florida, guaranteed. It might you might be in Texas first, <laughs> but you're going to eventually move over and figure out and and, and you'll get to Florida. Uh, but then they invented this really cool thing called the map, right? And then the map had all these really neat things, and you and you're driving. The only problem with the map is that it didn't have the it didn't have roadblocks, it didn't have wrecks, right. it didn't have all that kind of stuff in there. And then you had to figure out how am I going to detour it around while you're driving with this map in your hand. And, and so that that kind of went with with the when technology. Now you got the GPS system, right? And so the GPS, you're actually driving down there it warns you ahead there's there's a collision two miles up take this road and you're moving over and you're getting to florida in a, in a fast manner and that's and, and you're getting there in the quickest at the quickest time most most generally a couple times the gps will screw up and take you on a on a reroute but you know with, with that you're, you're always getting to that destination quicker the quickest best way of getting there and, and that's really what that forecast does you know you you line it up and it's built on non-financial indicators. And I'll explain what that is in a second. Okay. What, what, what that does, it allows you to make adjustments throughout that entire year so that when at the end of the year, you know exactly how you got there, why you got there. And there's no surprises. The surprises are the small rocks that hit you in the face as you're going around, but you took that detour around it. So you adjusted for it and then you adjusted your end goal. Now, it, it, the um, the non-financial indicators are the, probably one of the biggest biggest or actually the most important things when you create this forecast, because you want to create it on, on something that you actually have control over. And I, I always talk about and give the example of, of like a, a trucking company, trucking repair company. You know, if, if I were to tell the owner of a trucking repair company, hey, put your forecast together, they're going to maybe take last year's numbers and they'll maybe say, you know what? I'm going to increase it by, let's say, five or ten percent, and then they go ahead and do that, and and they may take the annual number, divide it by twelve, or they may take, you know, just what happened that month last year, add ten percent to it. You know, there's a lot of ways that they might may have come up with it, and I, I would say those are great, but they're not helpful. Um, the uh, the ones that you need to do is you need to figure out how many trucks are you planning on running through the shop, how, what's the average repair going to be for those trucks. And then you know, how long is it going to take you to get that repair done? And so what you're doing is you're taking the, the things that you as an owner can control and figuring it out and then taking that information and building that revenue forecast. And, and that's the that's the key there, because now I can meet with you the next week and say, you know, hey, or next month and say, you know, hey, 
we had down here that you're going to push six trucks through and that was going to generate a million dollars of revenue or six hundred thousand dollars or whatever that number is um you missed your target now you only put like four trucks through so is is that was that an exception or, or do you think we need to change our forecast going forward because now you know you know because you said four and we've got our forecast based on four or, or six or whatever that is and you came in at four do we need to adjust it down and it's like no that was an exception this happened this happened this happened and so then we keep it at six and then next month rolls around, same conversation. Hey, you only had three this month. What do we do? Do we change it? Yeah, probably should change it. You know, two months in a row. So now we'll bring our forecast down and we're planning now on, hey, instead of hitting that, you know, that 8% cash goal at the end of the year, maybe it's now six or 7%, but we've made, we've made note of that and we've adjusted for it right away. So we understand what's happening to control it. And it may be, you know what, now... I know that three or four is going to be the regular. How do I get that back up to six? You know, I get that back up to six by doing X, Y, Z. Maybe it's maybe it's business development. Maybe it's production. Maybe it's marketing. Maybe all these different things I need to do to get it back up to where you can then readjust that the next month. Hey, we're, we're trending back to six now. Let's move it back up to six. And again, that's where the dynamic part comes around, right? Because you're you're constantly changing it to adjust to hit that goal. And it's so amazing that when people put that goal out there, whether it's at 8% cash reserve or 10% or 15 or whatever that is, just by putting that forecast in play, they tend to hit it. And it's amazing. The folks that never never put it out there tend to miss it all the time because there's never a goal out there. So the goal is the biggest part of it. And uh, you know how that goes. You've been advising people forever. You've got to have that goal out there. And then you've got to have a, you've got to have a really concrete way of getting to it, not just simply... I'm going to increase my revenue by 10% and magically that's going to happen. And and I love this then evaluating what happened and what do we need to do? Do we need to make an adjustment? Are there other things that we need to add in? I think it um for for business owners who feel like, "Oh, I don't know. This just feels so big. I don't know how I could possibly do that." It's actually liberating. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz like you're talking about it, it gives you so much clarity around what it is you're working toward that you can put all those pieces in place and then you can evaluate them in real time and say, well, I thought this was going to work here. It didn't. So let me shift it to something else instead of just throwing up your hands and saying, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on or I don't know how to make this happen. Yeah, that's hundred percent because you've got, I mean, whether you believe it or not, you can, you have complete control over the success of your business, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And I, and I like to say that, hey, throw away the economic conditions you know, outside, because if you have a solid business, if you've got a, a ton in cash reserve, if you're managing it really well, if you're looking at it all the time, you know, an economic downturn is not going to hurt your business significantly. It's going to put you in an eye-opening position that you can then make informed decisions to, to steer through it. And I, I truly believe that a strong cash position is going to really help that. And if you've got a forecast in place that you can actually manage and move, You've got full control over it. You've got control over your destiny. You don't let destiny control you. You know, you've got full control over it and you can make decisions on the fly. You can make decisions real time. You know, and, and that's the uh that's the that's actually the cool part of being a, an entrepreneur, in my right. opinion, is I've got full control over everything. I don't have to wait to make have a decision made for me. Right. Exactly. That's right. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. All right. So, so what's the difference between long-term and short-term cash planning? Mm-hmm. So the, they're, they're kind of tied into, so we're, we're talking mostly right now, long-term cash planning, right? So we're talking about, hey, you know, I'm going to take that 12-month look, six-month look, three-year look, heck, I look five years out. And, and so I'm, I've got my forecast put together completely dynamic for five years. So I, so it adjusts all the time. So I'm looking at my numbers. What happens this month? I see, hey, is my five-year target still there? What do I have to do to adjust it? So I'm always looking at that five-year target. So that's kind of the long-term. Now, you don't have to be a geek like me and look out five years, but you know at least do it for one year, at least do it for two years, three years, maybe determining, you know, hey, what's your exit strategy? Maybe you want to look at it for three years. I want to be, I want to get my business to X level within three years and then sell it for the highest multiple. How am I going to do that? And then you, you just create that plan and you go for it. That's that long-term strategy that we're talking about. And that's that's with the dynamic forecast. The opposite is in effect with the short-term cash flow strategy. So the short, short-term cash flow strategy, you need to know what, what your cash is going to be on a weekly basis for the next 13 weeks. You know, and, and with that, you know, how do you do that? Fairly simple. You take the accounting stuff out of the picture and you're only looking at inflows, outflows, your cash position. So it's pretty simple. You start with the beginning cash. What are the inflows? Those inflows could be revenue. Those inflows could be customer deposits. That could be maybe capital you're putting in your business. Whatever the inflows are, you, you list them out when you're going to have those inflows. And then you've got the uh, receivables that you're looking at on a regular basis. So again, you're looking at these receivables weekly. And uh, with the receivables, hey, when do I think those receivables are going to come in? And when are, when are they going to turn into cash on my in my bank there. You know, they're going to turn in cash next week, two weeks out from now, whatever. So you're actually, you know, you're actually kind of forecasting that 13 week lookout all the time and showing, hey, here's where all the inflows are coming in. Kind of a fun little strategy. You can create an Excel you know, workbook. You can get things like cash flow tools and have it integrated with QuickBooks or whatever you might do. But you can get these really kind of tools and you can manage the inflows. Outflows are the same way. You know, are they, you know, am I going to spend money for electricity? You're reoccurring things going out. You've got rent, you've got mortgage, whatever you might have there. You might have distributions you're taking for your business. When are you going to take those out? And so what you're doing is you're you're creating that short-term look that you as the owner are the only one that is held accountable for this, not your CFO, not your accountant, not your bookkeeper. You, the owner, are responsible for your cash. So make sure that you're always looking at it on a weekly basis and you're you're actually planning. Because what the worst case scenario is, is that you're looking at it on a monthly basis and Everything looks great. I'm going to have $100,000 in the bank at the end of the month. That's what it says. Next month, I'm going to have $200,000. Well, what it doesn't say is that during the month, you're going to have negative 50 one week, 250 the next week, and so forth. And so you've got to be able to account for those short-term cash issues as you go through. And it might be as simple as that if you've got your bookkeeper that's doing the books and doing a great job, 
and she pays the bills or he pays the bill every single day when it's on time and, and does a great job with that, but doesn't realize that, hey, if I would have waited just two weeks, then I wouldn't have to borrow my line of credit. You know, I could have, you know, because you know, this money's coming in XYZ, not a big deal. And so you've got to be that person that oversees that and makes the decision. So I say a business owner that's not looking at their cash on a daily basis, managing it weekly, looking at a 13-week cash burn is really not doing their job. And that's their job is to protect the company from anything. And, and cash is the biggest thing you've got to manage. No matter if you've got a lot of cash to make or a little, you've got to manage that cash and make sure that it's there. And that's where the short-term cash comes in play. That's really great. I, you know, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I just think so many business owners focus on revenue, but don't pay attention to cash flow, don't pay attention to profit margins mm-hmm. and get themselves, you know, into trouble unnecessarily because they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a we had a uh, client that uh, they were in the trucking company and trucking industry, and that's that's what they did. They focused only on the revenue, and so they were getting all this great revenue, but their margin wasn't big enough to support their their company. And so he was he was bragging all the time. Oh, I picked up this new client, got this great deal going on here, and then we'd look at it, it's like, well, all that did was you know you're just trading cash. You know that's all you're doing. You're not you don't have enough to sustain this, pay this debt off, all this all these big things that you wanted to do with your company. And it wasn't until they really took a deep look into it and started turning down deals that he actually started turning the company around. Wow. And it's kind of funny turning down deals. What does that mean? Don't you want to get as many deals as you want? It's like, not really. Yeah, you, <laughs> you don't. Deals that are profitable. Yeah. <laughs> well, <that's me>. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <All right. laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right yeah. We, we had another uh, company that, uh, um, th- thought it was great to give their sales reps all this great commission, and they based it on revenue and didn't have that, didn't have anything to really account for it. And they are finding that over time, the sales reps really kind of could they they play the game because they understood how to make the most money they could make. And so they would they would jockey the system around a little bit so they made the most revenue. What happened was they're they were making the most revenue, but a lot of times it wasn't even profitable revenue. And right. so they're bringing all this revenue and losing money on every sale. But the sales rep was making a ton of money because they did exactly <laughs> what they should have done based on the commission structure they put in place. So another thing is just making sure that if you when you have sales reps, make sure you're commissioning them based on profitable sales, not just sales. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I used to work for a company that had a client that was a, I mean, this is the other thing, having that one client that that is a huge percentage of your revenue is not necessarily mm-hmm. great. And this one. That they had that, and every year they'd have to sharpen the pencil and sharpen the pencil, and it got to a point where all of their energy and all of their cost was really going to this client, and they weren't making any money. I think they were mm-hmm. losing money on that account. And the way they were looking at it was, you know, sort of the prestige of being able to say, yep. "We have that company as a client." It's like, who mm-hmm. cares? Mm-hmm. It, it's not helping you. You know, it, you're, you can't afford to pay people. Yeah. It, you know, we look at our client every single month and we look at it and say, hey, what's the 12-month run on this client? Are we how profitable are we on this client? So we want to we want to be at a three to four times multiple of the the expense. So you know, 70-ish percentile on each each client. And uh, you know, with that, what does what does that mean if we have a 25% or 30% or 50%? Well, that means that we need to figure out 
why it's that way. Was it priced properly? Did we screw up that way? Or, or was it maybe an education thing? Are they not using the right tools? Is it a people person process? What, what's the issue here? And once we just, once we determine that, hey, the issue is the engagement of the client itself, then it's time to, you know, maybe take that client that you've, you know, you're generating a lot of money on, push some of that back to the client, reduce your fee a little bit, and both be happier because now you're both profitable. You're, you know, because obviously if you're spending so much time and you're not profitable, then the client's not profitable. The client's not going to be happy. There's, there's, there's a disconnect there and you can right. kind of save relationships a lot of time by really looking at that and focusing on maybe taking a little, again, taking a little of the revenue away. So the profitability goes up uh, to where it needs to be in order to make that win-win for both you and the client. Yeah, that's interesting. That That's very interesting. So, um, shoot, I had a question and it totally left my head. Um, how, how, I mean, is, uh, is there's so many ways I could ask this question. So I'll just ask it the way I was about to. Yep. Let's hear it. Um, okay. So how do you know if your business has enough cash to cover your cash flow cycle? Yeah, so that's the uh, there, there's a calculation that goes into that, um, and, and I would say that that ten percent is the amount of cash that you need. So that ten percent wow. is what a typical service based company needs if they are pay if their receivables are you know like within a forty day collection, and their payables are like a ten day you know where they're paying their payables ten days after they receive it, um, and, and they're you know there's there's a, there's a, the formula goes into it what their sales is and so forth. Um, but the, instead of boring with this calculation, that 10% is what you're looking for. And so if you want, if you look at any company re- revenue or any kind of service-based company, it, it's going to be between nine and maybe 10 or 11%, somewhere in that ballpark. So if your your goal is like with most of the companies we work with, hey, let's be a little bit more on that, that north side of that. Let's be close to that 15%. Um, then that's then that's what they and that's what they strive for. So the, the, with, without going through the calculation, you want to look at that 10%. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like simple. So that yeah, me too. Sense. Me too. And and what um, are the five cash flow mistakes to avoid? Yeah, I guess you know that there's there's a lot of cash flow mistakes to avoid, but I would say the ones would be you know one not not having the the much the cash that you need you know kind of. You know, you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, hey, I don't need that 10% because whatever reason. It's like, well, you don't need that 10% when things aren't when things are going really well for you, when yeah. revenue is great and all that kind of stuff. When you when, what you're doing is you're protecting yourself, you know, and you need that, you know, for when things aren't going well. Uh, because keep in mind that you're the steward of your company. And, and if you have if you've got a hundred employees, think of all the families that that you are, you know, the true people that you are actually trying to protect, and that stewardship is, is super important. And, you know, it could be if you have, a, you know, a, let's say a fifty-person shop, you know, half those people may have kids, families, and so forth. You're you're probably impacting, you know, close to two two hundred fifty people um, pretty easily. You know, when you when you just kind of think of it, the overall situation there. And, and so that the important part of it is is to is to make sure that you have that cash and you and, and you have and you have it in there. Uh, another thing is to make sure that the, the the amount of cash that you need is is going to be really variable based on risk. And, and so we talked about risk before, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's important to note that you know there's there's a lot of factors that in, in, impact that risk. If if you're the only 
if you're the only, if, if you have 15 or 20% in there and you're, you're the only person or the only shareholder, well, then maybe you don't have as much risk there that if you had multiple shareholders. And, and what does that mean? Well, if, if there's a cash call, it's easier for me to put cash in the business versus me to ask five of my shareholders or five of my partners to put cash in the business. And so th- there's a lot of different things that are involved within that, fit, you know, that 10 to 30%. And so, so I guess knowing the risk on each of the different areas without going into detail about the areas, you know, the, the client concentration is a big one. The reoccurring revenue. If you if you've got a if you've got a company that is has hundred percent reoccurring revenue like we do, like we don't invoice clients, we just zap our their accounts every Monday. And, and so it's a subscription-based business model. That's how we do it. What's our risk is a lot lower than those that you know are invoicing clients out, waiting to get paid. You know, and a lot of things could happen within that thing. Um, before they get their money, so that, that there's a risk there. If if you're if you've got if you collect your receivables, let's say you do invoice clients, you, you collect receivables timely every 15 to 30 days after the invoice is out. That's great. That's a low risk. If you've got you know it's a situation where you're out 45, 50, 60 days, you know 60 days on on average before you get your money, sometimes even longer. Well, then you've got a higher risk. And so again, knowing those risk factors is really key in, in, in avoiding, you know, huge cash mistakes. You know, the uh, the line of credit I mentioned before is is huge because again, if, even if, you know, again, a lot of people out there say, I don't need a line of credit. You know, we're, we, we're doing great in cash. Our cash position is wonderful. We'll spend the $400 that it costs to get a line of credit. It's basically an insurance policy. In the event that you do need it, it it's there. Again, it just adds to that that uh, you know that security that you need you know for you know when you're running a business there and, and so there's a lot of different factors to look at when you're when you're doing and if you make mistakes in any one of those factors man it, it could really hurt hurt your business you know the, the forecast I don't know how companies do without it and I will tell you most companies over you know ten million dollars they've got many people that are doing forecasts for them the, the big companies they've got a whole departments that are doing forecasts they're not doing weekly they're doing daily forecasts they're, they're, they're you know they're, they're really doing it on a bigger scale but there's no reason smaller businesses a million dollars under million dollars to five million dollars should not have that same forecast at those same tools in order to manage their business and, and so the, the the fact that you've got money in the bank now doesn't mean you're gonna have money in the bank tomorrow. So you want to make sure that you actually put everything in a position uh, to make your business as healthy as it possibly can be. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking it really is an insurance policy. It really is remembering that you're safeguarding your business and your employees and, and your clients and everything attached in the event that there's a downturn, in the event that there's a natural disaster, in the event that something happens. So you don't end up in a situation that you can't recover from, mm-hmm. right? So it's really just just about instead of living in the moment and saying, well, things are great right now, saying, I just want to make sure that I'm covered in the event things aren't great. And if they're always great, great. You know, you're mm-hmm. fine, right? It's no, yep. it's, there's no harm to it. Right. And it's not a bad thing to have a line of credit. I mean, it's not a bad thing to be profitable. Right. You, know, you, you hear both, right? I, I went to a seminar. I was talking about how much profit people need to be. And someone came back to me and said, well, I, I don't know if I want to be profitable. What if my, one of my employees think I'm 
overly profitable. You know, doesn't that mean I'm not generous enough? It's like, well, I'll tell you what, if you're not profitable, then your employees won't be your employees tomorrow because you will go out of business. <laughs> You've got to be Seriously. profitable. And it's that security level yeah. that you, you have to have as a mindset of an entrepreneur, you've got to have that uh, enables you to, to do to do the best for the people that you're protecting, which is your employees, your family, friends, and so forth. Exactly. That That is exactly right. Oh my gosh, this is such valuable information. And I, I just, I appreciate the way that you share it and explain it and, and the examples. I mean, it just makes so much, I was sitting here listening to this going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> all about living in reality and safeguarding. And it, it's not as difficult as it sounds like it might be or overwhelming, I guess is really the word mm-hmm. I would use. So thanks so much, Jody, for, for being here. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and you know, we're yeah, sure can. I had a great time. It's been a great yeah. conversation. I appreciate again being here. But if, if they want to reach out, um, they can they can always look at look at look at my or check our website out at the summitcpa.net, S-U-M-M-I-T CPA.net. Again, I didn't spend the money on the dot com, so that's why it's dot net. And then uh, <laughs> they can feel free to email me as well. I, I return all my emails, uh, Jody, J-O-D-Y at summitcpa.net. I'd be happy to hop on a consultation. Just to answer any questions, you know, you might have with profitability, whatever. No, it doesn't make any difference how big or small you are. Feel free to, to reach out. We'd be happy to happy to help you out. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.